Very good morning to each and every one of you. It's good to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. Even though it's so cold, such a privilege to come together and just celebrate this wonderful opportunity where we could pray uh, for one another, pray for our brothers and sisters around the world, but also to give thanks for what God is doing. The Bible reminds us in John 5, uh, Jesus said, My Father is working. He said, I too am working. So we see the Holy Trinity is working and He's working everywhere all the time and he's working in our community as well there's so many um, things that God is doing right now in Fairland and in Northcliffe and we just want to acknowledge him in that and give him thanks and praise for 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 what he's doing in our communities and we're literally seeing the change uh, by that and with that I just want to take this opportunity on behalf of uh, you feed them um, to thank Northcliffe Union Church for your partnership in what we're doing in our communities and beyond. Um, In particular, this winter, it's been, I think, colder than last year. I mean, we had snow and all of that was so cool. Um, But I just want to thank the men's department for taking the time and the effort in getting blankets together. Uh, We handed out blankets in different places, Chapel being one to the homeless Uh, out there and that's such a blessing to know that these men who live on the streets have blankets and we've been a part of that but all glory goes to God for this right and for your partnership in making this possible Martha's hands anyone here from Martha's hands oh my so many you guys are amazing the blankets that you knitted and those jerseys that you knitted maybe do one for me as well Um, but yes, man, I was supposed to bring one. I just kept one just to show you guys how colorful they, they, they are. And, and you just feel the love that went into this. And those blankets and those jerseys went out to uh, community in Clermont, uh, underprivileged community. There's a lot going out there. Um, but kids, little kids, they have nice jerseys, beautiful jerseys that they can put on, on themselves and blankets as well. So thank you for your partnership in this and for making a difference in our community. This is what it's all about. As we go, we go and we meet with the needs of, 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 of the people, but more so, we go to make Christ known. So thank you as you're partnering with you, feed them with regards to that. Let's pray as we get into the word. Our Lord and our God, it's such a wonderful privilege, Lord, to, to come together as your church. Thank you for making it possible, Lord. And Lord, even as we gather this morning, we are mindful that you are here with us. And so we pray that by the power of your Holy Spirit, prepare our hearts and our minds, Lord, that we would be attentive to your word. Lord, we pray that you would minister to our hearts, Lord, that even when we are done here, as we would leave, that we would leave walking in a closer relationship with you, Lord. And so we thank you for this opportunity. Thank you for your word, which is alive, which is so precious. Your word, which is our authority. And thank you, Lord, that we have uh, this privilege, again, being reminded of the freedom that we have of worship, that we would never take it for granted, Lord, that we would always celebrate these moments. And with that, I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would uh, bless our time, And Lord, that you would take your glory from it. And I pray now that the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts 
will be acceptable unto you, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. So, it's great to be able to share from the Word of God again this morning. Um, usually when I preach, I think you guys are familiar that I would take a text and we'd sort of exegete that text to get the proper meaning and understanding of, of, of that uh, particular text that I would address. But this morning, I'm going to do things a bit differently. And it's because for, for like a couple of weeks, the Lord had placed on my heart a message which I think is going to uh, confront us. And we need to be confronted, right? We all need to be confronted. And it's a message that's going to make us visit different texts. So we're going to be moving through uh, different uh, scriptures this morning and not particularly staying on one particular text. And so with that being said, I've entitled this morning's message as being born again, being a new creation. Now, if one had to ask the question, what makes a person a Christian? What would the answer to that be? Would it be based on good works that a person may do? Or maybe would it be based on us being kind and loving to others? Or what about having knowledge of the Bible? Or maybe coming to church on Sundays, does that make a person a Christian? None of these make a person a Christian. You see, our, our good works, the Bible says, is like filthy rags before the Lord. In fact, so many unbelievers do so much of good works. Hindus do a lot of good works. Muslims do a lot of good works, and they think that the more good works they do, the better chance they have of getting into heaven. So we know that can't be true. We may be kind and loving, but there are so many other people that are kind and loving as well outside of the Christian faith. You see, being kind and loving does not exempt us from the fact that we still fall short of the glory of God. What about having knowledge of the Bible? We may know the Bible, we may know it well, but let me tell you that even Muslim apologists, they have great depth of the Bible. They have great understanding of the Bible. There's lots of people who have great understanding of the Bible, but even this does not make them a Christian. So what makes a person a Christian? Let us start by turning our attention to John chapter 3. You don't have to turn there. You can if you want, but I'm just going to just sort of summarize what's going on. From verses 1 to 21, there's a very interesting conversation taking place. There's a Pharisee by the name of Nicodemus. And he was sort of inquiring about the kingdom of God. He's having this conversation with Jesus. And he's inquiring about the kingdom of God. And he seems to be unfamiliar with it. He doesn't understand fully what it means and what the kingdom of God is all about. And so Jesus, like he always does, he starts to educate Nicodemus on this matter. And so Jesus says something that, that confused Nicodemus. As you read this passage, you would see that Nicodemus is now sort of left wondering And Jesus said this in verse 3, he says, Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. 
Now this confused Nicodemus. What does he mean? What does Jesus mean about this whole thing about being born again? And let's be honest. I can tell you in all honesty, there are many people who don't have an understanding of what it means to be born again, just like Nicodemus. Lots of people that come to church. What Jesus was getting at, and by using this uh, terminology, is he making reference to the kingdom of God and being born again? It means that, Jesus means this, he's saying that you need to be born from above. So being born again makes reference to being born from above. It's, it makes reference of, of new life. It makes reference of a spiritual new life that comes from the Lord. Born again, born from above. Remember that we are born under the condemnation of Adam. Let's not forget that. We are born as sinners for all sin and fall short of the glory of God. There is none righteous, no, not one. But through the mercy of God, we have received new life, eternal life, through the atoning work of Jesus and what he had done on the cross. So we are born again based on our faith in what God has done for us through the person of Jesus Christ. An acknowledgement of this faith and of this truth is what makes a person a Christian. You get that? And so, when one is born again, it speaks about this, this new creation, something new. It typically speaks about regeneration. One who has died. Died to self. One who has like been resuscitated to this brand new life. How come? It's because this person has had a genuine encounter with Jesus. This is someone who has repented of their sins. They acknowledged that they are a sinner in need of a savior. Someone who believes in the finished work of God in salvation through Jesus Christ. And someone who strives, strives in eagerness to live in accordance with the teachings of the Holy Scriptures. That's what it means to be born again. That's what it means to be born from above. Now here's the thing. For someone who is born again, for someone who is this new creation in Christ, such a person should be displaying the characteristics of Christ. What am I saying? We can't say that we are new creations in Christ and still be the same. Impossible. The things we did in the past that bring dishonor to God are the very things that we are now ashamed of. It's the very things that we start to despise. I'm talking about those who are born again. We start to despise those things. In other words, you can't have a genuine encounter with the Lord and still be the same person that you were, that you were when you were born under the condemnation of Adam. can't happen. Let's look at a few testimonies that hold true to this reality and people who had an encounter with the Lord and whose lives were never the same again. Let's look at scripture. Let's think about Levi. He was a tax collector. And uh, a bit of context about tax collectors. They were people that were despised in their communities. And it was because they were corrupt people. 
what they would do was they would often overcharge people on their taxes. Not even the poor was exempt from this. They were basically stealing from the people by overcharging him, charging them. And many of them were rich because of this. So these were people that were involved in so much of injustice. And so we have Levi. And he's going about his day as a tax collector. But on one particular day, that day was not going to be the same for this man. Why? Because Jesus was coming into town. And there came this point where this tax collector came into contact with the Lord himself. And Jesus said this to him, follow me. And what did Levi do? Levi gets up. He hands in his resignation letter to Saz. And he follows the Lord. We know from scripture that this man's life was never the same again. He started living for the Lord. He even died for the Lord. You see, Matthew had a genuine encounter with Jesus and his life was not the same anymore. Oh, what about Saul? This was a zealous teacher of the law. And he hated the people of the way, the Christians. Now, if you recall in the incident of the first martyr, Stephen, when men picked up stones to kill Stephen, who was proclaiming that Jesus is, is Lord, what was Saul doing? Saul was there. He was watching this whole event take place. In fact, he was holding the cloaks of these murderers. He was an accomplice of premeditated murder. He despised Christians so much so that at one point he jumps on his horse and he makes his way to Damascus. Oh, but something happens on that road. The Lord had an encounter with him. Long story short, we know that because of this supernatural encounter, this man's life was not the same again. His life was transformed. Why? Because he had an encounter with Jesus. And we know that thereafter, he's like one of the most influential men that we read of in the Bible. He wrote most of the New Testament. More so. He as well, just like Matthew and the others, was martyred for his faith. Paul had an encounter with Jesus and his life was not the same. I want to share a bit of someone's testimony. I know the person very well. This guy used to be hectic back in, like years ago. He used to be involved in drugs. He abused alcohol. Him and his friends together, they were like, you know, they had like this gang. They were like, Violent, eh? Get involved in fights, hurt people. They never cared whether they lived or died. He left school in standard eight. And people used to always tell him that nothing good will ever come from your life. And he believed that for most part of his life. Until one day, someone spoke to him about Jesus. And the more he was exposed to the gospel, he himself had an encounter 
with the Lord Jesus and his life began to change. Long story short, God called him into ministry. He finished his biblical studies. And guess where this guy is now? I'm standing in front of you. I'm standing in front of you. My life has never been the same. The Lord had met with me. And he changed me because I had a genuine encounter with Jesus. Jesus gave me a new life. When someone has been born again, that individual's life can never be the same again. Why? It's because the Holy Spirit starts a holy cleansing from inside out. That's what happens. Listen to what the Apostle Paul writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. He says this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Note the great importance of what Paul is saying here. He's speaking of new life. In other words, being born again, being born from above. Now we've already briefly unpacked what that means. But again, it's in the scriptures, there's this declaration of a resurrected life that comes from Jesus Christ. It comes when someone has this genuine, and I say genuine, genuine encounter with the Lord. Hence the, the words of Paul, if anyone be in Christ. This is nothing that we can do by ourselves. If you are in Christ, then I want you to know, remember this, embrace this, love this, that the blood of Jesus has washed away your sins, past, present, and future. And because Jesus rose from the grave, so shall the one who puts their faith in Jesus rise from the grave into new life as well. Just as Jesus had left behind those burial clothes, that was a reminder of punishment and the old. So do you, metaphorically speaking, leave behind your garments of shame and be clothed with these garments of righteousness, which is as white as snow. The old has passed. Behold, the new has come. Now this is great news, and we should celebrate this. But let's, let's get into what it means to be a new creation in Christ. To start with, it's one coming to the realization that there's nothing we can do to earn this new life. Nothing. We can't even pay our way through this, no matter how much money you have. God forgives us, not based on what we do, or who we are, or how good we are. We are accepted by grace alone, through faith alone. The Apostle Paul writes this in Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8 and 9 and he says this, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith and this is not of your own doing, it is the gift of God, not as a result of works so that no one may boast. It is the work of God that has been regenerating the hearts of people 
ever since the beginning. I'm talking Old Testament as well, New Testament. This is the work of God. Listen to what Ezekiel writes in Ezekiel chapter 36 from verse 26 to 27. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. And I will remove that heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes. And you will be careful to observe my ordinances. This is like an imagery of a heart surgery. God does a heart transplant within us. He takes out the heart that is diseased and dying. And he puts in a new one. A new heart. A new creation. Secondly, does being a new creation mean that we are now perfect people and we will not sin? And the answer to that, I'm sure we all know, is absolutely not. As long as we live in this mortal, decaying body, we are prone to fall short of God's glory. The born again will sin. The struggle with the old self is a reality. The Apostle Paul understood that struggle and he addressed it to the Romans as well. And he wrote this in Romans chapter 7, verse 19 to 20. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do, do not want to do, I do. This I keep on doing. Now if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it is because of the sin that's living in me. Now hold on. We can't look at this and comfort ourselves in saying, see, I do this act of unrighteousness and it's because of the sin living in me. So it's kind of normal. Because sometimes I think we look for excuses. Paul is not making excuses here. He's not, a, he's not making excuses to justify his weakness. Neither is he okay with the struggle that he's having. In fact, he's burdened about it. His heart is heavy about this. Why? Because this is one who has been born again. His desire is to do good. His desire is to please the Lord, to live for the Lord. For the one who is a new creation in Christ, when temptation of some sort offers itself to you, what happens? We get convicted of giving in to that temptation, right? We, we, it, like we don't want to do it. But it's there and, and we, there's a struggle that's going on. This is like the same sort of thing that Paul speaks of here and the conviction that's happening within, within him. You don't want to, do, to, to give in to it because you yourself, you know that there's the struggle that's going on. You don't want to disobey God. You rather live to please God. That's evidence of one who is born again. When sin stares you at the face, and there's this wrestle that's happening within you, within you. You don't want to do it. That's evidence of one who is born again. One who has had a genuine encounter with the Lord. Now, let's be real. The reality is that in many instances, the new in Christ, the born in Christ, we do fall short and we do give in to sin. Sometimes we walk away, but sometimes we give in to it. We can all agree on this, right? We give in to sin. What happens when that happens? I don't know about you, but it's like you feel sick within yourself. Hey? 
You feel, you feel sick within yourself because you gave into that. You feel miserable. You absolutely, you feel like unworthy because you are well aware of your sin and what you've done. And it's because as well, it's the Holy Spirit that's convicting you from within. This too is evidence of someone who has been born again because it burdens them on what they've done. They're not okay with it. A born again individual mourns his sin because of his love for God. He mourns his sin because of his knowledge of the holiness of God and who God is. He knows that whatever unrighteous act he partook of, he first and foremost committed that sin against God. When a man commits adultery against his wife, it's not first and foremost against his wife, but it's first and foremost against God. David knew this well, and he wrote in Psalm chapter 51, verse 4, against you, you only, have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. You see, when you are a new creation in Christ, the Lord starts this purifying work in and through you, and it's through the power of the Holy Spirit. The Lord starts to conform you to be more like the image of Christ. And get this, no one reaches the state of perfection in this life. Impossible. We only reach the state of perfection is when we are glorified and when we, when we are in, our, in, in heaven with our Father. That's the only time we reach the state of perfection. But every day, God is doing a work within us that helps us to be more like him. He helps us to live more for him. The new creation looks outwardly towards Christ instead of inwardly towards ourselves. For every day, we are dying more and more to self. Every day, we're growing more and more in our faith. It's like a, a seed that's planted into the ground. The only time that seed starts to, uh, to, to, to grow and, and, and germinate is when it actually dies. That's the time. Even then, growth takes time, right? You don't see growth at the same time. But, but eventually, you start to see, hey, something's coming off this. Something's is growing. And then you start seeing fruit of this. This is what it's like. Remember as well, Jesus said this in John chapter 12, verse 24. Unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies. You see, it must die first. It abides alone. But if it dies, it bears much Fruit. Now the Lord was talking about his atoning work and what's going to happen. But just as well with us, when we die to self, it's only then can we conform to be more and more like Jesus Christ and bear fruit. So yes, the born again will sin. We will sin. But God has made provisions for us through that. And through Jesus Christ, who paid for our sins once and for all. We're also reminded that not if we sin, but when we sin. There's forgiveness for our sins. In John 1, uh, 1 John uh, chapter 1, verse 9, it, re it reads, If we confess our sins, he, Jesus, is faithful and just and will forgive us of our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. There's forgiveness for sins. Don't forget that. So we see that God forgives. He forgives us of our unrighteousness. 
But even though this is the grace we receive from the Lord, and it is by grace, the born again in all good conscience will not find it in himself to abuse such grace. Because he rather not in the first place. Paul says this in Romans chapter 6 verse 15. What then? Are we to sin because we are not under the law but under grace? By no means. By no means. These are the words that are coming from a man who has been regenerated. He was aware of God's grace but he would rather strive for righteousness rather than unrighteousness and abuse this grace that is given to him. So I submit to you this morning that if you had genuinely had an encounter with Jesus Christ, and by this I mean that you have been born again, born from above, then your life from a biblical perspective cannot be the same. Impossible. I'm not saying that there is like this instant transformation, but what I'm saying is that if we look back from where we were and where we are now, there should be some spiritual evidence that we have been conforming to be more like Christ. That's what I'm saying. You see, if we are born again, we can't have racial tension towards another. Can't happen. Because God is a God of the nations. If you have been born again, you can't have hatred for people. Jesus said, love your enemies. If you are born again, you can't participate towards the planning of someone's downfall. Impossible. If you are a new creation in Christ, you can't look at a dying world and feel nothing about it. Because it broke the Lord's heart. If you have been born again and born from above, you can't look at there being like millions and millions of people who do not know the gospel and carry on with life like this is okay. If you are a regenerated Christian, you can't be okay with conforming to the patterns of this world which opposes the Christian values in so many ways. Look at what's happening in our world. And it opposes everything about Christianity. We can't be okay with this. It should burden us. It should trouble us. Truth be told, we know we shouldn't. Yet at times, we do what we shouldn't do. Now here's the concern. The concern is if we do these things and feel nothing about it, we really need to start asking questions. And there's two reasons that I think why this happens. We do things that we shouldn't and just do it blatantly. Firstly, it's because we have no fear of God. I tell you now, there's lots of us, we have no fear of God. I want you to know that the Lord is gracious. The Lord is forgiving. But remember, that he's also holy. 
and is righteous. We forget this. He will forgive you of your sins, of your mistakes, but keep doing it. And he, at some point, is going to teach you a lesson and he's going to apply discipline. And it's not because he hates you, but because he loves you. Sometimes we wonder, how long, Lord, will that person keep getting away with doing so much, so much of wrong? How long? Know this. Take comfort in this. God sees all. God knows all. God hears all. There is no evil done under the sun that he is not aware of. And I think we sometimes forget that every one of us will stand before God one day. And we will be questioned by God himself on what we've done. Do we have the fear of God? Paul writes this because of believers and their misconduct against one another in Romans chapter 14 from verses 10 to 12. And he says, why do you pass judgment against your brother? Or you, why do you despise your brother? For we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. For it is written, as surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow before me, every tongue will acknowledge God. So then, each of us will give an account of ourselves to God. Do we fear God? Secondly, we do the things we shouldn't do and feel nothing about it because we know not the Lord of the Bible. I say this with an aching heart. Don't be too surprised on that day when you're in heaven and you expect to see certain people there and they're not there. The world has created its own form of Christianity. It's a Christianity created to suit one's their own ideology. So it's not about what God says but what we think. It's not about God's plan, but what we want to do. It's not the authority of the scriptures that rule, but how we choose to rule. And Jesus addressed this in Matthew chapter 7 from verse 21 to 23. And he said this, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. That should confront us. It would seem from this text that the people Jesus speaks of here are those who are supposedly involved in the kingdom of God. These are the sort of people who fashioned their own gospel. They molded and shaped their own Jesus. As creative and impressive as they may have been, they knew not the Lord of the Bible. I'm in no position to say who is truly born again and who's not. That's not, the, that's not my place. 
I'm not the judge of humanity. There is only one judge. But please, I plead with you, search your hearts this morning. Have you had a genuine encounter with Jesus Christ? Can you say, based on what I've presented this morning, that you are born again, that you are born from above? Look back at your, uh, at your life. Have you honestly been conforming to the image of Christ? Does sin disturb you? Do you have a repentant heart that longs for Jesus? Today, maybe some of us have come to the knowledge that we have not been living out a regenerated life, this new life in Christ. We've not been doing it. It's like we're still walking around with grave clothes. Just like Jesus, we've got to leave it behind and start living this new resurrected life. Some of us are still like immersed in those waters of baptism, you know, like in the waters. It's time to rise up. The old has passed. Behold the new. Now is the time, not later, now, to confess our sins and make right with God and start living this new life in Christ that I speak of. As we come to a close, let's be reminded again that Matthew's life was transformed because he had a genuine encounter with Jesus Christ. Paul's life was literally regenerated because he had a genuine encounter with Jesus Christ. I stand before you and I can say with absolute humility that I have been given a new heart and it's because I have a, a, a relationship with Jesus Christ. He takes away that stone, that, that heart of stone, and he gives us new life. Do we have this new life? Are we living this new life? If Jesus could do this for a tax collector, Matthew, a persecutor, Paul, and a wretched man such as myself, I want you to know this morning that Jesus can transform your life too. Maybe someone sitting here, maybe you're not sure if you're born again. You've heard the message today. Today, you can have new life in Christ. Life which is eternal. This life is perishing and it's perishing quickly. But eternal life awaits each and every one of us. I ask you again, do you know Jesus Christ? Have you been born again? Have you been born from above? Search your hearts this morning. If you have not, and if there's doubt, and maybe you say, I, I, I'm not born again. Today we pray and we trust the Lord for his salvific work in our lives. Today we confess who he is and we believe in our hearts who he is and we repent of our sins. And the Bible says this, of, of, of these verses, like John 3.16, For God so loved the world, he gave his Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life, new life. 
Romans 10, 13, Paul writes this, whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Promises that you can't lose your salvation when you give your life to the Lord. Romans 10, verse 9 to 10, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your hearts that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. Maybe that's you this morning. You're not sure. Today, based on what I've spoken of and the verses that I've quoted, you can be sure. And so what we're going to do now is we're going to bow our heads. Firstly, maybe some of us need to repent. Maybe we need to start over again. There's nothing wrong with that. It's never too late. We start now. And we start living this regenerated life. And we start living it for Jesus. Maybe there's someone here who says, I don't know if I'm born again. I don't know. Today we will know for sure. Today you put your faith, your hope, and your trust in Jesus. And God starts a miracle in your life. will change you. He will give you that heart of flesh and remove that heart of stone. Okay? Give yourself to the Lord as we close in prayer. Father, we just want to come before you this morning and thank you for your word. Thank you for speaking to us, Lord. And thank you, Lord, for who you are and all that you have done for us. Thank you for your saving grace. Thank you, Lord, for the gift of eternal life that comes from you and you alone, Lord. Lord, some of us need to come before you and lay ourselves bare before you, Lord. Maybe we haven't been walking this regenerated life. Forgive us, Lord, for that. Help us that from this moment on, we will start living more for you. That we will start seeking you more, putting our faith, our hope, and trust in you. Lord, maybe there's someone here this morning who does not know if they are born again or not. Father, I pray that as they seek you, as they repent, and as they call upon your name and put their faith and their hope and their trust in your work and what you have done, that they may know that those who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Meet with them, I pray, Lord. Touch their hearts, Lord. Restore their brokenness. Thank you, Lord, for your Holy Spirit. Lord, we know that we cannot live a regenerated life if it's not for you, Lord. So help us in our walk is our prayer. Lead us and guide us is our prayer. Help us every day that as we look to you, Lord, you give us the strength to turn away from the wickedness of this life and to live more for you. Help us that when people see us, that they would see Jesus. That when people hear us, that we hear the words of Jesus that we would be an imitation of who you are, Lord. And again, Lord, we can't do this by ourselves, and so we put our hope in you and in you alone. Thank you, Father. 
For we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.